0: all right gentlemen let's um if you have your bibles to know you guys do or have a form uh on your on your phone or ipad or something uh hebrews 10 <clears throat> hebrews chapter 10 verse uh, <clears throat> verse 19. <clears throat> Hebrews 10 verse 19 is for our, our opening reading. <coughs> Good to see so many people online, too. Uh, that that crew is growing, uh, which is great. And Hebrews ten nineteen. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. And let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Verse 26, For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and a fury of fire, which will consume the adversaries. This is a difficult, scary text here. Verse 28. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy by the mouth of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regard and has regarded as defiled the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace and for... We know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge His people. Verse 31, It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we thank You for these men. We thank You for this this time to open Your Word and to talk about uh, just some sobering Issues at times. We pray for this morning that our hearts would be uh, softened, if they are hardened, that we would be uh, just reminded of these truths and of the importance of confession of our confessing our sin, of not harboring any hidden sins. Uh, we just thank you for your grace and your your mercy and your forgiveness. And We just pray all listening in, your name. Amen. Um. If, who needs notes? It's the same notes from last time. Um, secret sins. Uh, super fun one. Secret sin. Let's see. I'm gonna head back there. That the coal there, Adam. There you cool. You know, we so got a couple more copies. All right. <laughs> but before we get to that, one of the things we haven't really done in a, in a little bit. Uh, or a few weeks is kind of review some of our our memory verses, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and uh, we apologize about that. Um, I got to pull them up. So I can't remember what all they were. What are some of the verses that we've memorized? Who's able to? Galatians 2:20. 2. What's that one, Richard? Right before I that, been, I have, I have been yes, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, in Christ who lives for me. Good. I live the flesh, I live for him who gave himself up that him. Yes. You, 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 yeah, right before that, I live by faith in the Son of Like you know, I live in the flesh in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Before he who loved me gave himself up for me. Yeah, good. What about uh, Philippians? 2.14. Yeah. yeah, I don't like that verse. That's hard. That's a life verse in our family because of me. Uh, let's see. It's uh, the entrust verse. <clears throat> 2 Timothy two. 2. Anyone? 2 Timothy two two. This is the, like the verse that in trust was. Seems you have heard the trust yeah. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. If, um, <clears throat> we have a spreadsheet on Google. I think we emailed it out to you guys like a couple months ago. I, I can uh, re-email that out every week. Um, just has all the list of the memory verses and what um, <clears throat> what we'll add for, for this week <coughs> for next week is Proverbs 18.13 and 18.17. Does anyone already have that memorized? Proverbs 18.13 and 18.17. Does anyone know? He who gives... For... Good. Jonathan, for the win. And then 18.17. The first... Yeah, the first abuse case seems right until until Nellie comes and examines him. Yeah, good. Yeah, some of you some of you guys already have those memorized. Those are critical verses. <clears throat> so uh Proverbs eighteen thirteen and eighteen seventeen. Let's try to uh look at those for next week. And again I'll put those on the uh on the spreadsheet. Well as we get back into our notes. <clears throat> um I can't remember right quite right where we left off, but um We were talking about masculinity and secret sin. You know, Eric mentioned uh, in in his uh, kind of intro to this that there were some professors at uh, at seminary who had fallen in um, in sin and were no longer qualified to to teach some of the classes that he was at. um, No longer qualified to be to be a pastor. Um, and similarly, as I, I mentioned to, I think maybe a few of you, um, just as Eric was talking, I was thinking about men in my own life, men that I know personally um, who are DQ'd, <clears throat> disqualified for life and uh, ministry. Uh, I mean, not, again, the men that I don't know personally, just the men that I know um uh, and uh, just know of who have been disqualified either through secret like sexual sin or other sort of disqualifying sins, <laughs> according to First Timothy three, Titus one, and First Peter five, um, is just staggering. It's a staggering list. Personal friends of mine, just other people that I know, but I was just thinking of, of, of two men in particular um, that the entire time. So I went to uh hey welcome Rowan. <clears throat> um, here's some notes for you. Um, <clears throat> the entire time that I was uh, that I knew these these two individuals uh they were in adultery. So I went to started going to um this church Glazira uh Bible Church in 2003 and left in 2008. Um The entire time I was there, um, one of the elders, he was the chairman of the elder board. The chairman of the elder board. um, Was in secret sin, was in adultery the entire time. Um, And this isn't just some goofy church. I mean, half of the elders, or more of them, more than half, were professors at Master's Seminary, Master's College. Um. I mean, godly, godly guys. Just faithful, faithful men. Um, uh, it, it was the church that I really built me up in the faith and discipled me and um, kind of set me in the path of, of ministry. <clears throat> uh, he, was in, he was in sin. And I remember, I think I was just about to get married or I'd just gotten married. Um, <clears throat> I, I remember where I was standing next to this retaining wall right before uh youth group was gonna start where kids are outside playing games and I'm uh, talking to this to this gentleman and he just said hey Matt you know just some advice that people gave me I'm gonna give to you about marriage and I was like all right great you know I trust you I'm uh, your kids in the youth group I'm like discipling your kids and you know appreciate you guys <clears throat> he just said you know you love your wife 110% even if she loves you zero percent and I was like ah, that's that's powerful that that's great and I, I will always remember that. Um, and I remember where I was standing when he said it <clears throat> because it was impactful, but also looking back, like, did you, <laughs> you were totally lying to me. You were in adultery the entire time. It's just incredible. And then another, <clears throat> another guy I know, um, <clears throat> uh, he was the husband of the gal who discipled my wife when she was in, uh, in, uh, in college, so the church that she went to, another great church he wasn't an elder there um, he was a, I believe he was a deacon he was he was in some form of leadership um, again very nice, very humble outwardly uh generous, just a gracious guy, very patient man, very good father his kids are about my age um, and uh <clears throat> So, you know, we went over to their house multiple times, and just a great guy, um, and it came, it came out um, around the same time that this other man's adultery was exposed, that he was in adultery as well for over a decade. Both these men were in adultery for over a decade, and nobody knew. <clears throat> By God's grace, one of them, the former elder, the guy that I, that I knew a little closer, um, when this all blew up, um he was willing to go to counseling, and it came out he wasn 't even a believer, and he repented, got saved and uh when I went back to the church in two thousand fourteen um i uh because of conferences out there, so I went to the church, <clears throat> and uh, his wife came up to me he wasn 't there he was sick. And said, hey, did you hear what happened to my husband? And I was just like, I'm so sorry. Like, it was so devastating. I'm very, very sorry. And she's like, he got saved. And she was like, he got saved. He's a brand new guy. I married, like, It's a brand new marriage. It's a whole new marriage. And I was just like, whoa, I didn't know that. I, I, I had not heard that he had got saved. I, I really just heard that he was in adultery and, got, and just destroyed the church. And he split the church. Twice <clears throat> um, but he, the Lord saved him by God's grace and um he's no, no longer an elder, and he'll never be an elder again. The other gentleman, unfortunately, within a week of it coming becoming public that he was in adultery, was disciplined out of the church, he left and abandoned his entire family, and no, who knows where he is right. <clears throat> so i say all that as a sobering warning just for us all that uh let us never think, men, that we are above or beyond any 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 uh, any sin. Let us never think <clears throat> that these things won't happen to us. As uh, just kind of, as we preview or just sort of review rather the uh, not preview as we review the last uh, last week's notes. Though I think the first four main main points there: number one, that none of us are above a fall. No one is above falling into secret <clears throat> sin, whether it be sexual or anyone else or anything else. <clears throat> Again, these these two men are the the ones that I thought these these men will never do that. They would never do that, and they had been harboring sin in their hearts for a long time before they had given in to adultery. They didn't wake up one day and just saw oh, I'm going to found a relationship and uh, other than my wife and I'm going to be in that that's not what happened. They compromised and compromised and compromised and compromised until they're given to that. Yeah. Uh, I was just curious. Could, could you explain, um, why it is that the, the, disqualification mm-hmm. is for life? Uh, i heard Derek say that, uh, mm-hmm. and you said it, yeah. it was, that. yeah, there's differences of opinion <clears throat> kind of on that. Um, some, some may say that, uh, <clears throat> um, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, but I think based off of, let me pull up my Bible here. <clears throat> uh, a couple things, you know, First Timothy three. One of the big ones is um, being above reproach. Um, above reproach uh, really has the idea. There's nothing for anyone to grab onto and say like see look at this guy's life there's nothing they can grab onto and say like there's a secret issue here there's a secret sin um and that so that that, that all encompassing sort of word he uses it multiple times of uh, being above reproach um i think that's a, that's a big one where it's just like this guy's secret life or or his his life of sin especially with sexual morality um or or adultery um is it's a blaring issue um and not just that but there's a lot of other issues that i think could be disqualifying maybe for life where it's um uh so what i'm trying to think of um i mean it's just something that somebody could easily grab onto and and kind of hold on to in their life um you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think even in the Old Testament, again, this isn't this is sort of a parallel, but sort of uh, it's, uh, sort of not <clears throat> uh, the the priests um, when they were disqualified, they were DQ'd for life. Also, I got a little more explicit there. Um, again, it's some people are going to are going to disagree with that. Um, I'm tri- uh, sure. Yeah. It say that. Proverbs six nine six. The price of a cross. People use is one loan of the world bread. We talked about yeah. that before. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think, and and you know, when Paul talks about how in First uh, Corinthians um, seven and other passages, especially on sexual morality, how much of, of a bigger issue that is, and really how much of more of a sin that is in some degree, that's sort of the that's sort of where we would get some of that from. Yeah. I'm sure there's other passages I'm forgetting of right now, but yeah, it's a good question. Um, again, so the, you know, none of us think that we're above falling. Maybe well, I'm not in ministry. It's okay. You don't have to be in ministry to, to fall into sexual sin or to fall into secret sin. Um, it, it, you, but don't think that you're above doing that. Um, or don't think that it's not a big deal because you're not in some sort of ministry, because all of us are ministers to some degree, aren't we? We're all called to, to minister, the somebody, whether it be our wife, our kids, one another in the church, we're all called to, to some sort of ministry. <clears throat> so let none of us think we're above that. Secondly, number two there, again, every man must either choose the suffering uh, of compromising Scripture, or sort of refusing to compromise Scripture, or the suffering of regret from compromising from Scripture. Again, the two types of suffering, as Eric has mentioned in the past, the suffering of discipline or the pain of discipline or the pain of regret, <clears throat> the pain of discipline or the pain of regret uh, and we we can all look back in our lives if we're honest and think, man, I was dumb, I regret doing that. And those things in my life like that <coughs> um, excuse me um, you know there's um there's issues that we all can probably look back on, but <clears throat> but we need to you know first Corinthians ten twelve. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Again, temptation is hard, to facing temptation is painful, facing temptation can be difficult, but it's 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 a good sort of discipline, it's a good sort of pain. Um <clears throat> my wife is very diligent to make me exercise and I hate it. Um I hate exercise, I hate working out because it hurts. It's uncomfortable, ah, oh, it's horrible. I don't like it at all. i wrote when he runs i'm like how do you how, how do you do that i i I don't like that like that <clears> that's <throat> horrible, but he like enjoys it I, and some and some of you guys love exercise, you love working out. I hate it, but <clears throat> I know that it's very, very helpful for me. I'm way healthier, <clears throat> and then also with my disease, it helps to for some reason, it helps with symptom management, which is weird. <clears throat> but I know, so I know that there's a benefit from it. Uh, in the moment, it seems horrible and, I, and it's painful. My muscles hurt and so on. But that's sort of like this with facing temptation can be difficult, but we know the outcome is going to be far greater than if we give into it. And far greater than if we give into temptation and compromise over compromise over compromise and number three hidden sins are only hidden for a time we mentioned that <clears throat> even this week eric and i were talking about an issue of somebody that uh you heard you know don't think that your sins can stay hidden for too long because little birdies will come in and tell the king something what's that in proverbs right um <clears throat> there's some issues that are just being coming up in somebody's life <clears throat> that have seemingly been hidden for a while, and uh, the, the Lord loves His sheep, the Lord loves His people, and won't let sin be hidden for too long. You know, Hebrews 4.13, there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of Him to whom we have to do. <clears throat> Again, we might be able to hide secret sin from people for a while, like these two men that I know, for decades, or over a decade. But the Lord knows, The Lord knows all of our sin. In 1 Timothy 5, again, uh, the sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others, the sins follow after. Right Again, so every sin will be eventually, will will come out. Even some men, some prominent men in the ministry, after they have um, since died, some of their sin, secret sin has come out and like basically dis- disqualified their entire ministry. <laughs> what? Uh, so don't, don't think, man, you can hide it. <laughs> you can hide sin. And then number four, we left off on number four. Again, secret sin usually leads to unintended and unexpected fallout costs. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> unintended and unexpected fallout costs. We talked about the sin of, um, of Achan and Joshua 7. Right, and how he didn't intend for him and his family to be murdered, not murdered. Sorry, killed. That was bad. They were not murdered. They were justly killed by, um, by the people for their sin. They didn't intend that, right? But we see just the consequences of what his sin did. A few other examples. You, you know, I think we left off on the uh, letter G there with David. If David planned to commit the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. <clears throat> Uh, he didn't plan on initially to start to then have Uriah killed, nor did he plan on his son dying at age one. Right? Again, more contemporary for us, <clears throat> you are working on something on the computer, a goofy pop-up thing shows up. I don't even know how that happens, but things in the internet's smart and does stuff. <clears throat> you you plan to maybe click on, oh, that's an interesting article. What's that? And then over time, you are now enslaved to pornography. <clears throat> maybe somebody becomes a little, a little less intentional about corporate gathering, corporate worship. He's a little more intentional of not being held accountable by his local church, but he doesn't intend from those <clears throat> things to really. Uh, walk away from the faith, or walk away from his friendships and his relationships over time. <clears throat> a guy might go, you know, be involved in some sort of questionable business deal because he thinks this will give me more money, to provide my family, a good opportunity, so on. <clears throat> he doesn't intend, though, for his un- his biblical or for his compromises to then lead to cover-ups and, and and things in his own life, secret sins to now be just hidden and. Again, let, being less accountable because he's compromising here and here and here and here and here. <clears throat> right? I think we understand that. <clears throat> we might intend little things here, but we might not foresee the reality of what will happen over time. Again, those those two men. I mean, this this elder I'm thinking of. Uh, he didn't intend to d- to destroy his life. I don't think he intended that when he first met this other gal. But small compromises over time led to this. <clears throat> right? Again, those of you who are parents, I mean, you understand this. You see this with your kids as well. This is why we discipline our kids so they don't go down a, 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 down, down a pattern of life where they're just being given over to their desires without any control over what they are doing and who they are. This is why we give corporal punishment to our kids <clears throat> in addition to other sorts of discipline to them. right? And even just helping them to think through the issues of life is just <clears throat> where are you going and what are you doing? You might, uh, again, just even thinking of my, things in my even my own extended family or just <clears throat> some horrible sins have taken place that weren't intended to be taking place but did because of foolish decisions that led, led up to that. That to that point again, a young woman might receive a beverage at a party from a nice guy, a nice stranger. Doesn't plan, she didn't plan that that was going to lead to her being um, sexually assaulted. Or a, a young guy, some sort of sports team friends give him a pill called Ritalin. Just man, this is this will like help you to kind of focus on what you're doing in, in sports, but maybe they've laced it with fentanyl and he can be and that happens all the time and people get then enslaved to narcotics so these sort of things we just got to be careful and got to be wise with our our lives and with our decisions and don't think this one little thing is not a big deal because this may have massive unintended consequences right number five can compromise in one area can can weaken us and potentially lead to compromise in another unexpected area Compromise in one area in our life can weaken us and potentially lead to compromise in another unexpected area. Again, um, for example, if we struggle with uh, pleasing people or fearing man, um, we may then be intimidated to speak the gospel to somebody. We may be intimidated to confront somebody in love because we want their approval. We don't want to make somebody feel bad. So we don't tell them that they're in sin or we don't confront our wife or confront our kids or confront our, our, our brother or sister in the Lord because <clears throat> we want their approval. <clears throat> we want to be seen as nice or liked. Uh, we want to be seen as, uh, as, uh, as relatable. Or we want to be seen as loving or whatever. And so then we fail to speak the truth in love to others, and then therefore that that can lead to many other disastrous consequences. Compromise and compromise and compromising. You see it all over this this issue. You see it all over Christian, um, uh, all over in the Christian life today with so many people compromising over, over things. <clears throat> um, with this whole just transgender, LGBTQ nonsense, Prominent men um, in ministry talked about boldness and faithfulness, but wanting to be seen as relevant and loving and nice are now advocating for gay Christian, you know, agendas and trans Christianity and all this nonsense. All right, again, if so we give in to just one area in our life, it could just weaken the resolve of the word of God in other areas in our life, and we just go down this downward spiral into just more and more compromise, and then our hearts become hardened and callous. Whereas Romans 1, our consciences are what? They're seared. right? We're, they're seared. We, we no longer feel the pain of that sin. The smoke alarm of the soul is no longer going off because we t- we've taken out the batteries and, or smashed it with a hammer. Or baseball bat. There's a, there's a wiffle bat here. We can use that to smash it. Right? <clears throat> Again, because the muscles of our faith, again, just like exercising, if I don't like exercise for a month, I mean, I, I, I can barely do anything. Because right? muscle the muscles become atrophied and we don't want really to do anything. All right, so the more and more compromise that we give in one area of our life can lead to other compromises and we can lead to rationalization of, well, this isn't as big of a deal. This isn't that bad. This isn't committed adultery. I'm just looking at a picture or I'm letting my mind wander. Or I'm this isn't that bad as so-and-so or this isn't that big of, a, of an issue. And right, that's how all these things start. Number six here, this one too, gentlemen. <clears throat> we ought to watch out for a lust of significance in our hearts. What does that mean? A lust of for significance. Want to yeah. Yeah, wanna be important in little ways. How how might that look in, in a in a, in a local church? What do you think? Yeah, good. Have me wrong but I to want to teach, like have, want to be up front. Yeah. I don't want to be seen as I know something. I know as much as that guy, and maybe you do. <clears throat> but it's the sinful desire of, I want to be seen as, as somebody who knows something or whatever. <laughs> Again, we we need to be content, gentlemen, of obscurity, of being a nobody. I, I love biographies. I love um, history. I love church history. I love history just in general um but church history in particular and i love biographies of of um of pastors and missionaries um, particularly small obscure pastors there's some really great biographies out there of just men of obscurity that would never have thought that they would have a biography written about them i love those sort of books there's one um called The Pastor of Kilsyth, I think it's how you pronounce that, written by his son. Um, uh, he's from like the eighties, Scottish Highlands pastor from like the in the 18 like 20s or 30s. I mean, out in the middle of nowhere. Just nowhere's ville Scotland. Um, and uh just the the biography is just incredible. Just this guy's journals, his faithfulness, where he would travel, what he would do. Um and I love those sort of things. Why? Because you just see they're 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 not doing anything for like the promotion of themselves. They didn't write any books. They didn't speak at like conferences. I guess they had like, you know, hey, us our four churches in like you know this greater area. We'll get together like a couple times a year and like do our conferences together. They, they would do that sort of stuff, <clears throat> but just faithfulness to the Lord. Men of obscurity, you know, we just in our life everyone is is famous because of social media I don't understand uh, what like tanner does I think it's really cool on uh, with the uh, with uh, what, what's it called Uh TikTok, I think with the with uh, his coffee stuff I think that stuff's great I don't understand how it works I don't get it I'm too old I, I guess I don't know um, but everyone's famous now I'm not saying anything bad about tanner obviously uh, but everyone's famous these days we all have a, many of us have a lust for I want to be famous like that I want to be famous. I want to be. I want to be well known. I want to be well known, especially for for young men in ministry. I want to be well known as a pastor. I want to speak at these conferences, and that desire can be can creep in. Maybe for for some of you guys, it's different. I want to teach Sunday school. Why can't I teach Sunday school? Or I don't know. Whatever. I want to be able to to do these things, or I want this promotion. I want this level of of acceptance in my job, or I want this, or I want that. And then those secret sins, that that lust that can come in, and that's where compromise can come in. Right? You want want this promotion, you want this level of of acceptance, whatever, and you can compromise in order to get that thing. Proverbs 27, 21: a man is tested by his praise. Right? Let another praise you, not yourself. Right? Um, again, not being recognized for something that you do is never a threat to your spiritual maturity. <laughs> it's a test of probably your spiritual maturity. Not being patted on the back for serving and stacking chairs and tearing down chairs and, and uh, setting up sound system stuff or uh, cleaning up or whatever, that's, a, that's, a, that's not a threat to your spiritual maturity. Um, yeah. Like, if again, if you have kids, and, and, and you know your 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 son or daughter is up at two a.m. for like the eighth time that day or that night, you know, puking and changing like the eight hundred eight hundred diaper. Uh, I mean, and you're like, oh, look at me, I'm so awesome, and I'm uh, I'm doing. I mean, do you want your wife to come in and like give you a reward? Hey, here you go. Maybe that's what we want. Oh, look what I did, honey. I you know, I took out the trash today. Uh, we don't need to be recognized for all those things that we did. We can be faithful in obscurity. Okay. And that's a way to keep us humble. And if we get upset, I think it's, um, you know, we talk, we talked about before, we get upset. Well, why don't I get thanked for what I'm doing in the church? Why don't I get thanked for serving in this ministry? Maybe we need to be thinking of our motivations of why am I even serving in that ministry? What am I doing? Am I doing this to be thanked and to be rewarded? Or am I doing this for the faithfulness of the Lord and even if nobody says thank you in my entire life? Right? You know, think, of, uh, think of a shepherd uh, with real sheep. Uh, and sheep are dumb. Uh, cows are dumb too cows are smart actually, but they're dumb um, <clears throat> uh, we with this little calf that we just sold but trying to keep this dumb thing alive <clears throat> when it's like negative twenty and snowing and wind blowing trying to keep this goofy little calf alive and it's like trying to buck and like I mean the our two hour old like little calf is powerful and can do a lot of damage to you <laughs> if you ever try to wrestle one it's uh, it's fun. Um, but you're trying to like wrestle this thing to keep it alive so it doesn't die and freeze to death, but it, it's trying to get away from you and fight you and kick you and, and uh, headbutt you. I mean, that's how it is oftentimes in ministry. A thankless job. A thankless job. Uh, where you, at times <clears throat> um, you know, you'll spend hours upon hours and just multiple hours with somebody to shepherd them and to help them, to care for them. And then eventually they say, you've never loved me, and um, you're disqualified, and I'm going to leave the church now. Thankless job. I mean, that happens often. It happens often. <clears throat> right, And so, again, just not having the lust for significance or accolades or whatever. Just... We serve regardless we're not, we're thanked Because when we get to heaven, that's where we get our reward. You look at the end of, uh, of Paul's life, right? Paul said, everyone in Asia has abandoned me, except for like, these two guys, Luke and the other dudes with me. Everyone else is gone. I'm alone in jail. Timothy, can you please bring me like, my jacket and my books, please? Everyone's gone. No one stood with me at my trial. Everyone left out of fear, probably, from his trial. But he, he knew the Lord will stand with me. Or the Lord, the Lord stood with me, rather. And he will be rewarded when he goes to heaven. Maybe no one will stand with you. Maybe no one will thank you. Maybe no one will know. But we do things for the Lord, not for the praise of man. Right. Number seven, again, we should plug into a church that focuses on sound teaching and personal Christ-likeness. These next two are very similar, the idea of sanctification. Plug it into a church that focuses on sound doctrine and personal Christ-likeness or sanctification. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy <clears throat> in First Timothy. You instruct him on what a church should be, or what a pastor should be, uh, the qualifications there of an elder, a deacon, of how to, really how to do church First, Second Timothy and Titus. So really, here's Paul's instruction to pastors of what to do in ministry how to do church, so to speak. And what he commanded Timothy to do was to teach lots of the Bible. To hold fast to the truth, hold fast to sound doctrine, and to focus on holiness. Again, First Timothy 4.16. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation for both yourself and those who hear you. What is Paul saying that we can earn our salvation by what we do and what we believe? Since if I believe sound doctrine, therefore I'm saved. What's Paul mean there? Pay close attention to yourself and to what you teach, because by doing so, you're going to ensure salvation for both yourself and those who hear you. What does that mean? Obviously, it's not talking about working towards salvation, but so what does it mean? <clears throat> okay okay yeah, reaffirming just like the validity of your faith, like yeah, reaffirming and or just confirming what you're believing and and what other people are believing by your even by by your conduct and what what you were saying, right again, we just especially for those in ministry um just ensuring a measure of safety of their own concern for their personal just their own personal qualification of how is their life, how's the how's the the pastor or the elder's life matching up to the word of God? What is he teaching? Because what he teaches and how he lives, so Travis is probably also another way to answer your question earlier. What he teaches and how he lives has massive impact on those he leads. Right massive impact on how he on those he leads <clears throat> if he is compromising in 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 again you see this all over i mean i grew up in a church like this where it would sound doctrine no one knew what that meant no one knew what sound doctrine the doctrines of grace the calvinism that was a bad word no one knew nobody i mean you talk to me about justification like wait what what does that word sanctification i don't have no idea what that means i couldn't explain the gospel i had no like i had no clue uh, i mean these churches are just everywhere because the pastor and the elders are just teaching fluff and niceties and other things and then that has led to so many other areas of compromise in their own lives and the lives of so many people around them. Again, if you look at just the instructions throughout many of the New Testament letters, you see kind of three main themes that are being said to these churches. Again, trust in the Lord, put faith in Christ. Secondly, just live lives of humility and and holiness and then crucify your pride, and then just be ready for Jesus to come back. This love the Bible, repent of sin, be ready for, for Christ to return. <laughs> because you don't know when that will be, like we read in Hebrews 10. You don't know when that day will be, and if you're not saved, it's going to be bad for you. And if you have claimed Christ and you've lived in a life of compromise and come to, realize, to, to really see that you're not saved, it's going to be worse for you, Paul said. Or not, not Paul, the, uh, the author of Hebrews, which probably wasn't Paul. It's going to be worse for you if you reject Christ after having heard of him and maybe followed him, followed him for a time. All right. And related to that, number eight, a robust, sound theology of sanctification is central to spiritual longevity. Again, very, very similar. and let me ask this how is a a good theology a, a proper biblical theology of sanctification central and really critical to your own spiritual longevity that helps you to to make it to the end how are those things connected certainly not the only thing that keeps you yeah on the right path, but for sure. the lack of it will produce <clears throat> compromises in your life. Yeah. Because you're compromising on something true about God mm-hmm. and you're going to that's gonna to translate to compromises. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's all about grace. And you can just be God gives me grace and we can be about grace and uh, it's all about grace. I don't I don't really need to worry about my sin too much. Romans six has something to say about that. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? no don't do that right exactly so again um there there's uh the beginning of these notes there's there's um a slew of names that didn't say so i won't say of men that some of you would know uh, who have just disqualified themselves in ministry and every single one, I think other than just maybe one of them, had a low view of sanctification. And this idea that it's all about grace, and we don't really, we don't really need to put effort into our sanctification. We don't need to put effort into fighting our sin. Every single one of those men held some sort of view like that. Except for maybe with the exception of one of those guys. You see that in progress. Yeah. And one side is hell, mm-hmm. and one side is the miry pit. Yeah. And the right act of the sanctification doesn't keep you only from falling into the air of you know, free grace, like my God, my God. Yeah. But an right act of the sanctification also keeps you from falling into the air of pride, mm-hmm. legally. So understand that grace keeps you upright. So if you ever did anything right, it's only because God's grace, and you're yeah. doing what you ought to be doing. So you reached you yourself the enabling grace of living in Christ. Yeah, good. Instead of, you know, pat yourself on the back and mm-hmm. going deeper in your pride yeah. and in the airing in the total opposite direction where you're destroying people with the Bible, you're being loving, mm-hmm. you fall in the other direction, which I think thinking, of just falling into hell. Yeah. Sin of mm-hmm. hypocrisy and gaining yep. and earning. Yeah, just, yeah. You yeah, know, falling into the one of those either those either sides of the pit there. <clears throat> yeah, that's good. You know, another thing that comes to my mind is I've met a lot of people who used to go to, to the Roman Catholic Church and then they saw Like the hypocrisy of it in the Catholic Church? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and uh, so there, there, there's just no fighting towards holiness. There's no there's no, uh, and so when when you don't fight, again, you, your spiritual muscles are just atrophied, and uh, you become prideful, you can become bitter, you can become, bitter, you have be, uh, this idea of, well, oh, so what, no big deal. Again, this one pastor I'm thinking of, um, he preached here a couple times, and now he's, I mean, he was in adultery for a while too with somebody and out of ministry and now he's like a life coach or something weird like that but um um yeah, I remember him saying a few things to me I was like that sounds weird you just don't really seem like there's a lot of desire pushing you to like really kill your sin you just seem to be compromising some of this That's, but I don't know maybe I'm wrong and then eventually came out like you know all these things were going on in his life <clears throat> you, you know again, we we have to not make excuses. I have to not make excuses for my sin, my temptations I'm given into, sell compromises, and skimp out on fighting sin really hard. It's because it will lead to devastation. Again, First Timothy, sorry, First Corinthians nine. This is the Apostle Paul and we we could say with you know pretty certainty that uh, he was a godly guy. <laughs> uh he loved God, he loved the Bible and he loved sanctification. 1 Corinthians 9:26 this should be your notes. He says I therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. He's talking about not being disqualified from ministry, not being disqualified from preaching the gospel. That's the context here. I I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. What does it mean to not run without aim? What does that mean? There's a goal. I mean, he's not just running aimlessly around, around town, there's a goal of, you know, like, it's the example of, of a runner in, you know, in, in a race. The runner in a race isn't just running wherever he wants. There's a, there's a finish line. You're going there. Run there and be there first. Pass everyone else up. Run faster. Don't just think, ah, oh, whatever. Again, another illustration from Pilgrim's Progress. After Christian gets out of the valley of the, out of the valley of the shadow of death, he comes up on, on a, on a little hill and he sees somebody ahead of him. and he says, Hey, wait up, wait for me. It's Bunny illustrating uh, like this Christian is a little farther behind in sanctification. And uh, and uh he's asking asking his buddy, hey, hold up a little bit. Let me let me get up to your level of godliness. And uh Hopeful's like, no. <laughs> you come up here, you catch up to me. And so Christian runs faster. He's like he beat, he outruns him and looks behind him and trips and falls. Bunyan's a master wordsmith. It's really funny. Like, oh, that's funny, but like, it's the idea, just that pride of, I beat I'm out, outpaced you in sanctification, then he, he falls. But anyway, there's, there's an aim there. There's, there's a, a finish line of I have to outrun the next guy, so to speak, in godliness. Not because I'm prideful or better than that, because just, it's just the, the mindset of I, I need to not be concerned of who's around me, but I just need to pursue Christ with that aim of finishing the race, of winning that prize. And secondly, he says, I, I box in such a way as not beating the air. <laughs> this is what I do. That's my boxing. I, you know, non-contact boxing. That's fun. right? <clears throat> um, <laughs> boxing scares me. Anyway, but I discipline my body and make my slave Discipline there, what does that word mean? Does anyone know? We're there for discipline. Yeah, like I beat my body, I pummel my body. I yeah, I buff it, I beat it. To make it my slate for self-discipline. Now Paul's not saying he literally beats himself up, right? But it's the idea of self-discipline, self-control, these are action words. These are words and Paul's saying these are words in sanctification that take effort, that take time and action on your part. You can't just a runner can't say, well, I'm gonna run really hard and I just but I'm gonna trust God and just and just uh run really hard and not do anything though. But I'm gonna sit here on the couch or my chariot and run really hard. Like, no. When you're what? That's dumb. Um or hey, I'm I'm gonna win this boxing match, uh, even though never having picked up boxing gloves before, and just sit there and beat, you know, beat a cardboard box. No, like <clears throat> there's discipline, there's <clears throat> There's training, there's exercise, and there's there's much hardship that takes place in these activities. And so that's what Paul was saying: that sanctification takes effort, it takes discipline, it takes hard work of denying myself. Denying myself of looking at that picture or watching that movie. Denying myself these compromises of whatever. Maybe it means getting up a few minutes earlier to read the Bible more consistently or praying. Maybe it means getting up a few minutes earlier to, to read the g c book or or um or, or or getting up earlier to meet with a guy for breakfast or, or taking your lunch break to meet with somebody or or having the hard conversation of talking to your wife about something that you need to address in your life or talking to your kids or talking to your friend about an issue in their life. Oh, Hmm. Yeah, making it. Yeah, sure. Yep. Not your own slave, right? Yeah, but it's you. You're bringing it under control. Yeah, for the purpose of holiness. That's, that's good. All right. Again, similarly in Philippians three, Paul says, "Not that have I have not that I have already obtained it, meaning perfection, but or have already become perfect." Right, but I press on, so that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. As MacArthur has said, the key to an enduring ministry is sanctification. That's the truth for just your own spiritual health. The key to your enduring of your own spiritual health is your own sanctification. I've uh, got a few minutes here. i got to move on. Eric, I'm going to finish the notes, so we've got to do this. <laughs> uh, as men, again, we usually err on. Uh, I'm sorry, we are usually safer err on the side of self denial and self restraint. Again, very, very similar here. It's better for us to, to to err on the side of denying ourselves and using self restraint rather than letting our flesh just indulge itself in whatever we are doing. Not that we can't have hobbies, not that we can't have passions for things, but sometimes we need to reel those things in and be a little more self controlled in our lives, whatever that may be. Again, unrestrained flesh. It's just the idea of just giving over, give myself over to whatever I want, whenever, however I want it, and that's what we see in our world. That's, that's exactly what we see in our world right now. Um, you know, John Frame said, "Godliness always involves some sacrifice of personal freedom." Well, I'm free in Christ to do that, yeah, but also your freedom in Christ, as Paul says in Galatians, is to serve one another. Your freedom in Christ is to, is so you are free to give up that thing, to to give up that freedom, to give up that, that, that thing you really want in order to serve somebody else. Again, many people will call that legalism. That's bogus. That's self denial. Paul did that. Well, I won't eat meat because you're weak. I love ribeye steaks, but you're an immature, weak Christian. I'm not going to eat meat around you. Okay. Paul is legalistic. He's not. just loving that person. He's serving them. He's also going to tell them why they're wrong. Eventually, that, that way they can share a good ribeye together. I'm sure he did that. All right. But our unrestrained flesh of, well, I can, I, I can drink, I'm free in Christ to drink. Sure. Well, what does that lead to? I mean, I've known so many people. Oh, I'm free in Christ to drink, and I, I love this every now. And fine. But then it, it leads to, to oh, I, I don't drink to get drunk. I just drink to relax. Well, what is that? That's idolatry. You're, you need alcohol now to relax? That's idolatry. You're going to something else other than to Christ to relax. I need this thing to calm down my body. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's, you're going to that idol. Compromise over compromise. Deny yourself things, gentlemen. At times, and MacArthur would say, look, sometimes I'll, I'll order a dessert and just leave it there at the table, and I won't eat it, just to prove to myself I still have self-control. And not like not to eat, not to eat something. All right. I don't know if I can afford that, but I, it's a, I, I like that sort of uh, mindset. All right. pretend effort should be put towards uh, inviting input from other." Godly men around us in our lives, again, asking each other, what areas do you see I need to grow in? Again, we should all be doing this to some degree, asking your spouse, primarily asking your kids if they're old enough to, to kind of talk and communicate some of these things. Asking those around you what areas of your life do you see any to grow growing and then not stiff arm and say you're wrong and how dare you, maybe somebody else wrong, but we, the way we go about that is, is helpful as well. But being willing to be corrected being willing to to welcome. and invite correction in hey I think you're wrong in this area, I think you're sinning in this area. In Rehoboam. Uh, went to uh, Solomon's son, he went to the old men and said, hey, what should I do with the situation? They told him something that was wise. He was like, okay, and he went to his goofy friends, said, what should I do? And they just gave him a bunch of foolish, you know, young, youthful, idiotic advice, and he went with that, and he destroyed the kingdom. Split it, because he followed after these things and was unwilling to be corrected. You know, listen to Proverbs 19, verse 20. Listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. Again, be willing to be, have someone tell you you're wrong and not to say, well, how dare you? That hurts my feelings. I, I, yeah, it did. It did hurt your feelings. <laughs> I'm not concerned about not hurting your feelings. I'm concerned about your holiness. You not obviously you want to be rude and, you know, Yell at somebody, and so you hear my feelings. Well, big deal. Uh, that's not what we're saying, right? <clears throat> but we don't want to. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to offend them. The gospel is offensive, and 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 confronting sin is necessarily offensive because it shows you're not perfect, and you need to be reminded of this. All right. Number eleven. Just a few more minutes here. Again, suffering is part of God's loving safeguard for men. Uh, we don't have time to finish all this. Let me just end here, and we'll. We'll finish this, we'll get into the next notes next time. Um, Suffering is God's loving safeguard for man. Again, part of suffering is for God to just strip away our sin, to strip away the love of the world, to strip away the lusts of the flesh. Uh, God gives us suffering to to, to, to just see how we are not yet like Christ. Um, It's hard, it's difficult. But God gives us trials to show us how much we need Him. Constantly. How much we need Him. Um, Puritan George Swinnick, who is one of my becoming one of my more favorite Puritans, said, A sanctified person, like a silver bell, the harder he is smitten, the better he sounds. You know, it's the idea of just suffering. But as the Lord sanctifies us it's through trial it's through difficulty it's it's stripping away our sin it's stripping away the the pride and the, the 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 hidden sins at times it's bringing those things to the surface through suffering i just finished a book those of you who uh, if you're going through some hard times it's free on hoopla so hoop, i'm a fan of hoopla because it's free if you don't have hoopla get it it's the library app on your phone I to to pull up the name of the book. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, there's a book, it's about suffering in marriage, Together Through the Storms by, I don't know, Sarah Walton or something, her and her husband wrote it. Um, and it, it's a very helpful book for those of you who are married and maybe going through a season of trials or you know people through season trials. If you've been married for any longer than a couple of days, you realize there's going to be trials in your marriage. And that's a very helpful resource to know how can we view in our marriage uh, trials and suffering as a means of sanctification. And realizing that our trials and the suffering in our marriage isn't the greater issue. That sin is what God is rooting out of us through this trial. We'll pick up there next week, gentlemen, and then we'll talk about um, masculinity and mysticism. What is that? You'll have to come and find out next. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for, again, for this this day, we thank you for these men. We thank you for your word that helps to root out our sin and to deal with the issues of our lives. Father, we pray that you would reveal any hidden sins in our lives. You would not let us continue in those secret sins. You would bring those to the surface for our own good, for our salvation or our sanctification, Father. May your, your word go forth dress us today, this week. Lord, for your glory and honor, we pray. Amen.